and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where a father and son sit down and talk about some fantasy books. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim. Great to see you with us again here today. And, you know, we just ran our intro. If you're listening on the audio podcast, you never get to see it. But, you know, I was so proud that I created a new one after Mm -hmm. two years of podcasting. And now it just bugs me that one of the pictures is me without an arm. If you notice that... You could always do something that again. I should should add an arm. I could, you know, I got skills. Oh, yeah. Make it a cybernetic arm or something. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Lean into the sci-fi part of our replace it with a different kind of arm each episode. It'll no. Okay. You have no idea how much time you're now asking me to put it. So much more time. I'm not asking anything. I'm just throwing (laughs) it out there in case. It but happens. you know how I run with things like that. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Hanging out. I've got a semi-sleeping dog next to me. He's having a great time in his bed. We'll see if he stays that way. But it's been a good day of reading. You mean his shag center? Oh, yeah. No, it, it's fantastic. Uh, I'm not going to pick up the camera to show y'all, but mostly because I don't want to have to put it back. But yeah, to be clear, he hasn't been having little lady puppies over oh, to no, have he's, his he's shag center. Nice. It's just, it's a shaggy, yeah, bed. It's cute. How are you doing, Dad? I'm doing fine. Yeah, it's it's a Saturday. Saturdays are good. Got up, easy day. We had Pern Book Club this morning. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Good group of people to talk about with a favorite series. Now we're moving on to our next one, Renegades of Pern. Indeed. Book 10 in our series of readings so your copy is not as pretty as the copy we saw in our discord that was an old school this one i bought more recently i mean i've had it for a few years but it's not the throwback covers yeah you have to really zoom in to see any pretty art but you you can see it wow really gotta zoom in okay it's It's like a post-it stamp on there (laughs) so zach yes I understand you're doing something interesting with beverages for this 2023 experience. Yes, you can see more about this on our Discord, but loosely I am going to be doing a tour to expand a tour through alcohol to expand my mixology knowledge and palate, both for how to do things, techniques, recipes, and just trying some things. Some of these I probably won't like. Some of them I will, but every month Fair. has its own theme, every week has its own cocktail. And I'll have some other stipulations in there. So sliding right into that, we've got this week, I am drinking during our podcast, as we usually do. Usually. And I started with January's theme being vodka. I had to start with a classic, the vodka martini. Nice. Who doesn't like a vodka martini? In fact, sorry, that made me jealous. So I made a dirty vodka martini. Ah, and I'm enjoying with you. I know you don't favor the olives, so you went with a little bit of a twist. Ha, 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 ha. I see what you did there. <sighs> but no, it, it's okay. Honestly, the worst part about this drink is the glassware. I don't like martini glasses. Really? Oh, they're classic. Yeah, they're annoying to drink out of. Did you chill the glass before you uh, put it in? Yes, not as long as I theoretically could have, but yeah. It doesn't take too long to get it a little cool, though. Yeah. Very good. All right, we know what we're drinking. Let's hit a few notes before we move into our content this time, which is, by the way, two chapters of The Fires of Heaven. We'll be doing chapters 11 and 12 today. And they're pretty short, so unless we go off on 15 tangents, this might be a shorter-than-usual episode. We will go off on 15 tangents. But (laughs) where are Um, we going first? Well, let's remind people regarding Wheel of Time, if you're a first-time reader, this is a spoiler-light episode. We're going to talk in depth about these two chapters, but we won't ruin anything to come. We may hint at things that are foreshadowing, make sure you don't miss them, but first-time readers, you're safe here. And if you are a returning reader, then you'll enjoy some of the things we're noting and highlighting as well, and you just love Wheel of Time anyway, so stick around with us and have some fun. Last Wheel of Time episode, we talked about Avi Shendar. Yes. The guy, you know, who was uh, spying on the spy, Mm -hmm. uh, who copied down the note that had already been sent off to two different locations on a pigeon and then sent it to a third. Correct. And we didn't know. We were speculating. Okay, where is he sending it to? So I did research. I did research. And the answer is no one knows. 
the destination remains unknown. It's left to the reader to speculate. I, you know, looked around. What do people speculate? And things like we were coming up with uh, to his own country's government, mm -hmm. to Pedro Nile, the head mm -hmm. of the White Cloaks, perhaps, or even to a Forsaken. Specifically, Grendel was high on on the thoughts. I had thought maybe Cad Swain Sedai. You know, there, there's lots of possibilities. Was there anything you saw that we like hadn't thought of or talked about? Nope. Anything like really out there? Nah, we were on it. Gotcha. They were so always in the same ballpark. He's not like a Sean Chan spy. That nope. wasn't in there. That wasn't in there. So no big revelations. We didn't know and nobody really does. Another note. We are picking up a lot more uh, listeners and watchers in Brazil these days. Ooh. I don't know Portuguese, so Neither sorry, I. I, can't, I cannot greet you in your native tongue, but most of you know English anyways. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you do. Hello. I'm pretty sure all of the Portuguese I ever knew I learned by watching Mystery Guitar Man. I don't even That's know what it. that is. So I think the only Portuguese I know is paia. Mm. It's a Portuguese dish, and it's delicious. But that's all I got. Our January Tri-Reader Tournament is underway right now. We're focused on best space fantasy. By the time this episode drops, uh, it will probably be wrapping up or done. But you can still look on our Twitter thread or come and see on our Discord channel and see what books were nominated by lots of different people for Absolutely. space fantasy. These are continuing to be a great place, honestly, to get book recs. Because yep. I'll still I find added... things I don't know about. My TBR got longer. It still hasn't hit a thousand. Yeah, it's getting really close. I mean, I think I'm maybe twenty shy right now. Got to read faster. Bring it down. <sighs> I try. I try. I already have three books done in 2023, and it's only January seventh. Darn, you're I'm kicking my butt. I've only got two and a half. <laughs> hey, that's great for you, Zach. That's great. Uh, before we talk about what we're reading, there's one last note I'm throwing in here, uh, and that is our. It is the 10th anniversary this year of the completion of the Wheel of Time. Yes. Memory of Light came out in 2013. We're now 2023. There was an episode just yesterday on the Dusty Wheel and on Brandon Sanderson's YouTube channel. They dropped it on the same thing live, uh, both of them, uh, with Brandon Sanderson revealing secrets of the Wheel of Time that he's known, Team Jordan has known, but they hadn't chosen to share yet. They let the fandom just speculate. And now Sanderson had permission to let the cat out of the bag on some big reveals. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. We're not going to spoil it here because Zach hasn't watched it yet. I have. I'm going to be watching it probably today. Now, but I, I watched yet. it earlier today. It was great. And if you're a Wheel of Time fan, watch it. You will love what you learn. But... Don't watch it if you're not done with the series yet. Massive series ruining spoilers for you if you haven't finished. So finish the series. It's on the internet. It will always be there. You can find it later. But wow, good stuff. I want to talk to you about it, Zach. <laughs> so yes, finish it up. We are scheduled to guest host. Guest host isn't the right word. Appear. Guest appear on an episode with Malkier Talks uh, this weekend. So we'll probably be talking more about this, which gives Zach motivation to make sure he watches that episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are you reading right now, Zach, beyond just going through the fires of heaven with us? Yes. So in addition to that, I this week finished Rhythm of War, finally. I also have gone back to the Night Angel trilogy, which you had finished last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've read the second book of that now, Shadow's Edge. That's a fairly quick read. Yeah, it took me a couple days mm -hmm. between a couple of different things, and it wasn't the only thing I did. But I also now have just started Full Moon. Awesome! Yes. And I'm about halfway through the second book in Raira Revelations. Nice. Uh, which, Rise of Empire. Very good. I'm currently reading, well, I mentioned The Renegades of Pern, our next Yeah, book. I should have mentioned that one book. too, I guess. Yep, yep. Directly beneath me in the graphic is the bottom half of the cover mm -hmm. of the first Brandon Sanderson secret novel of 2023. Tress. So Tress of the Emerald Sea. You can't see anything of the title because of the way it appears here in the graphic. But I am 60% through. Okay. I'm hoping to finish it this weekend, actually. And then I'm also reading 
from the zombie fallout series which is also over here it's just zombie apocalypse stuff it's not highbrow awesome it's just fun zombie literature somebody asked me on twitter about this actually you know zombie stuff i don't get it anymore there's so much out there and i would agree with that there's been a glut of zombie apocalypse literature and a lot of it's not very good or not mm -hmm. very original this stuff's pretty original and what it does is it takes good zombie stuff and adds irreverent humor with delightful characters so i've enjoyed it very much this book that's showing here, Zombie Fallout 16, Hereth, Hereth, something. Anyways, it's technically the end of the series, but there are three more books. So I'm on the next one now, which are telling in flashback stories mm. that happen in the main sequence that you didn't actually hear about during. So yeah, just give some more. that's one subgenre that I'm just like not really interested in. Nothing against it. I'm just kind of like zombie stuff. Eh. Well, this is one where I'd say if you're a fan of the Dresden Files and are open to considering zombie apocalypse literature, the zombie Fallout series might be for you because it's got that same kind of tone to it in the way it's very much this one protagonist's perspective. It's written in a format where he's writing a journal of the experience of living through the zombie apocalypse. And so you're getting that kind of same style of writing with a very similar style of humor although he's not constantly talking about how big women's boobs are hmm. well moving past this to read or not to read um <laughs> shall we get to the wheel of time we should chapter 11 is where we're starting off here and it's called the nine horse hitch it returns us to the continuing adventures of swan sanchez with her faithful companions, Liana Sadai and Min. You know what? I take umbrage. It's Min's adventures. They're her companions. Well, not in this chapter. <laughs> this is a number of weeks beyond their escape from Gareth Bryn up at the north end of Andor. And they've crossed clear through Andor. And we are rejoining them now in a different nation. They're all riding horses following their sort of leader, Loghain. So it's the four of them. And Loghain is leading, leading them into the city of Lugard, which is the capital of Murindi. Now, I said, okay, different country. They've gone through Andor. Where's Murindi, Zach? Can you place that in the world of Randland? Okay, vaguely, because I don't have the map that's behind you. Randland, go middle, a little down. Not full down, but little down. It's still landlocked. Yep, that's pretty accurate. So just south of Andor, although Andor kind of curves around it to the east side as well. Andor is kind of big. It's kind of your main character country. Yep. To the west, you've got Gildan. To the south, you've got Altera and Ilion. They're both south of Mirindi. And those are on the coast. Because you said it's landlocked. Yep. And then also to the west, just south of Andor, is Farmatting. Which in a totally different episode, Zach has mentioned is one of his favorite places. But mm -hmm. we won't talk about much now because it's not come into the main story yet other than being on the map. Yeah. We learn here that Murindi isn't much of a nation. It has a king, Rodrin, and he rules in Lugard, the city. But not much beyond the city walls is really under his control. Now, to be fair to Murindi... That's not that unusual for a lot of these countries. However, most of these countries, their borders don't extend that much further than their city. Marindy's a little bit bigger, but only in the fact that it has lines drawn on the map. And it's still not that big, actually. When you look at the map... No, it's, uh... it's no Andor. No, no Andor. But we know Andor's control, of course, hasn't stretched to its nominal borders, <coughs> the two rivers. So, hmm. King Roedrin, he's surrounded by all these other lords who own the lands around the capital, who technically have sworn fealty to the king, but in reality, do whatever the heck they want and don't bother to pay taxes most of the time. Yeah, it's a fiefdom without a lot of respect. Yeah, so how can they even really call themselves a country? Well, they've got a couple of exports that they like. Do they? What exports do they? Marindy wine. It's great. Wouldn't that be Mirandian wine? No, it's Mirandy, not Mirandian. It's Mirandy wine. It's named for the country. In the same way that Canada goose is a Canada goose, not Canadian goose, it's named after the place, not the people. 
but there is Canadian beverages. Well, my point is it is referred to in the series <laughs> as Mirandy wine. Okay. Not Meridian. All right. I'll have, I, I don't remember that. I will have to take your word for it. <laughs> At the very least, if it's ever phrased not that way, it's wine from Mirandy because they have good wine. That's that's all I know. Okay. You have talked up, though, a key point that the only thing that's really going for Mirandy is trade. They've got some things they export, and they're at a crossroads. So there's a lot of stuff coming and going through Mirandy. And Lugard, right in the dead center of the country, also is that dead crossroads for the various directions. So when you've got a lot of trade coming, you also have a lot of inns. They do a lot of hospitality in Lugard. Now, Lugard... And Mirandy does give us one other thing that's worth mentioning, just because we haven't talked about it in a little while, and it is fun to mention. It gave us Pat and Fane. We've mentioned this before. This is where he's from. And we remember it fondly and reverently for it. Pat and Fane. <laughs> okay, just being able to make money isn't necessarily enough to hold a nation together. You know, people can make money on their own. What is it that holds them together? Honestly? It's so that they don't become absorbed by other countries. At least claiming, we support King Roedrin, we are Mirandy, and we unite together in our independence, keeps Ilian and Altara and maybe Andor off their backs. You know, they are at least united in hating everyone else. Yeah. Except trading with them. They'll still trade with them. We'll take your money. So that's background. Okay, that's Mirandy. Okay. And here we've got Loghain and Swan, and Liana, and Min arriving here in Lugard. Now, they're not going by their names. They're still using <sighs> they're still using pseudonyms, aliases. They don't want to be identified, but they're using the same ones they had used before. So, so you know, Loghain is still Dalin. Okay, he's, he's the leader. And I keep going leader in quotes. You can't see I mean, that if you're listening. He's the but... leader as much as Mirandi is a nation. Yeah, because who's really the leader of this group? I'm sticking with it, men. No, it's Swan's bullying everyone. Yes, good call. She's bullying everyone. This is what she does her whole life. It's her personality. But with Loghain, little headstrong there, she has found it easier to allow him to be leader in certain aspects. Like, he decides which direction they go as they travel, because she hasn't known exactly where to go. So yeah, that he might as well let him like lead. something that's like really important and vital but i mean if you don't really have a set direction yet it doesn't really matter that's right we're just going away at this point okay he can lead away she's also allowed him to decide where they'll stop each night okay we have to stop somewhere so he gets to pick and that's exactly what happens here as they come into the town they go a little ways and finally Logan stops in front of an inn called the nine horse hitch gets off his horse Ooh, right, he said, it. He said the name here. in the chapter Ah, they all get off and Swan, it's noted, is a little more comfortable now on a horse. I mean, still not real at ease with horses, but she kind of, you know, gives a little pat to the nose of this particular horse. Yeah, it helps that it's Bella. Bella, that's the right. The best horse in the series. Well, very mild, tame, peaceful horse. I might have something contentious to say at some point about whether or not Bella is the best horse in the series, but I don't think my competitor would be that big of a shock to people, so it's fine. Okay, very good. As they're in the uh, stable yard, Swan leaves Loghain, Liana, and Min with various tasks to settle in, get themselves rooms and all that, and she takes off. She's on a mission. She has something in mind here in Lugard. So what we get to see is her working her way through the crowded city streets, looking for something specific. She's hunting for a destination. It comments that as she's working her way through the crowds, she's seeing men being typical schmucky men. They're catcalling various women who are going by, you know, picture construction workers on break, you know, the stereotype. And that's what she's seeing. But she realizes as she's going along, some of the catcalls are coming at her. And she's rather surprised. Why would she be surprised that they'd be, do hey, babe, who you got oh. a sh fries with those shake, that shake or whatever. You For I, mm, okay. For so That's much a of her cliche, life. It's an old one. It's real. I just, it's a very old one. Uh, <laughs> Fantasy you, in the or 50s? the ages. I have to show age compared to you. You're in your 50s, you. not from the 50s. Come on. 
no, um, she's been Domerlin Seat. She's been very career focused. She also has been around a lot longer than it looks like she has. Mm-hmm. She's 40s, 50s, 60s, somewhere in there. I'm not going to say the exact number, um, but she looks like she's it's like not polite. To 27. Say the exact age, after all, for a woman, right? Because after being stilled, um, no more agelessness. Yeah. So she looks like a very attractive young woman now. And that's the reactions that she's getting. Yeah. So we're getting the reminder here of how you are changed when you've been stilled. You regress to an earlier appearance. And not necessarily how you actually looked when you were younger. You're changed, but you do now clearly look young again. That's the I think of it thing. like as the inverse of how we can put filters on to make us look older, but that's not how I'm going to look when I'm actually that old. Nice. Aren't there filters that you can put on to make yourself look younger too? Probably, but I think they just look bad. They don't look like you did when you were young. They, they just mm, look bad. Yeah. So that's one of the things that actually Swan is thinking as she goes and has this realization. That's a perk for her right now of having been stilled that she's able to hide in plain sight. No one recognizes her as the Amarlin. Granted, so, no one in Lugard would anyways, but... But it, it's easy to blend in with the hoi ploy because she's just a plain old person like anyone else now. But she also clicks with the other major benefit that she's discovered, something that has been useful already multiple times. And she did not know this before it happened to her. Because remember... Mm-hmm. I said, I don't like to think about what it's like to be stilled. It's unpleasant, very uncomfortable. So they don't study this or anything. But she's discovered she's no longer bound by the three oaths. <sighs> she can lie like a... Wow. Can't think like of a person cliche. who what lies. But there's something that lie like a... She can lie like a rug, but I don't think that's the one that I was trying to come up with. Probably not. Anyways, so a benefit. Benefit for stilling. Technically speaking, she could also probably kill. But we're not going to worry about that one. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure she (laughs) could do that. So Swan is on a mission to find one particular inn. And once there, when she finds it, she enters. And, ooh, it's not quite what she expected. (laughs) Place is rather um, of ill repute, perhaps. I mean, the women on display serving women, some entertainers are all very scantily dressed. And another is singing lyrics that are downright body and men the men in there are clearly enjoying the scenery and the entertainment as they imbibe look she walked into the lugard equivalent of hooters <laughs> pretty much everyone knows what what's gonna be there when you walk in what you think about it can vary depending upon whether you work there or you're going there or why you're going there but everyone except swan knows what this place is Mm-hmm. Swan is like, oh, my virgin eyes. You know, she she's shocked at what she's seeing here. Feels very uncomfortable. She has zero experience with a place like this. Keep in mind, she went to the White Tower as a young woman, relatively sheltered and naive. And that's been her whole life pretty much to this point. Staying in the White Tower, going from novice to Aes Sedai to very quickly Amerlin. She doesn't know this sort of thing. But yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll accept that. But um, thank you. And uh, okay. So, whoa, this is not her kind of crowd. She quickly finds, identifies the innkeeper, the proprietress. This is the person that she was looking for. And so she goes right up to this lady, gets her attention. It's a mistress Tharn. And we get a scene here that's fantastic. And Mm -hmm. hilarious, in my opinion. There's a bit of misdirection going on, definite confusion. Because Swan is here believing Mistress Tharn is an agent of the Blue Aja's eyes and ears. Mm. Why would Swan know that? Because in her pastime, in a not-so-past life, before she was the head of the Aes Sedai, the Amarlin Seat, she had a job within the Blue Aja, where she was raised from. She was the head of their eyes and ears. Right. So if anyone's going to know the network of the Blue, which is the most expansive, it's Swan. And, you know, I would draw from this, you know, it's been some time since she was the one running the Blue Eyes and Ears. 
she became the Amerlin, so she's of all Aja's a nun, but I think she's kept her nose in it a bit, so she's still aware. That being said, the Blues probably tried to keep her out of it, considering she <laughs> also has well, she also has her own eyes and ears that are not of the blue. But this is of the blue. So she goes up to Mistress Tharn, and she knows the code, the passcode she can give to get information, to be able to say, hey, I'm part of the network too, let's talk. But the fact that she's been out of touch for a while helps us understand what happens here. Because she gives a passcode. She says a couple of sentences, and part of it has to do with being able to sing, and that she knows a few particular songs. And Mistress Tharn isn't like, oh, well, that's wonderful. Come back to the back room with me, and let's talk about it. You know, which would have been maybe the reaction she was expecting. Nope. Instead, she gets told, well, you know, I, uh, you can sing. Great. I already have a singer. But, you know, maybe I could hire you on as someone, a uh, bonus to give her a break and stuff. But uh, let's have a look at you. What do your legs look like? You know, if you're going to fit in here, you got to look the part. And, and she starts getting embarrassed. Mm -hmm. It's like, what do you mean, what do my legs look like? And, and you know, and sing a little for us. Like, what? You know, this is not how Swan pictured this going. No, to me, this screams Swan has spent most of her time in the tower. She's used to receiving this information, doing things with it, knowing all these bits and pieces. I'm not sure she's ever used any of the passcodes with any of the guys in ears. Right? Tharn clearly has, has Swan just befuddled and embarrassed. She's turning red the way she's being talked about in front of all these patrons here in the bar. So Mistress Tharn's like, okay, she turns to the people. Yeah, yeah, this is this is something, isn't it? What? I don't know about this woman. I tell you what, I'll take her in the back and see what's what. And, and she gets, and they leave. They get out of the common room. And at this point, Mr. Tharn basically gives Swan what for? Yeah. Why? What? What's the deal, Zach? What do we learn here now? Is she part of the network? Yeah. But Swan okay. walks in and basically goes, Hi, the name is Bond, James Bond. I'm a spy. Tell me everything. It's like, <laughs> no. Right? Just because you're a spy doesn't mean you announce your name everywhere you go. There are protocols to follow. You didn't follow the protocols. You walked up to me in the middle of a busy shift. Everyone knows if you're working in the network, you come at the beginning of the day or the end of the day. Not right during peak activity. Doofus, you can blow my cover. You're clearly part of this. You know the right codes and things. But you're dumb. Did you just start? <laughs> so... I find that hilarious. And Swan is basically getting put in her place by Mistress Tharn. And Swan is thinking to herself, I'm the freaking Merlin. What are you doing to me? But she can't say that. Because she you doesn't look like the Amerlin. She doesn't have the, the authority of the Amerlin anymore. And she needs something from Tharn. So she needs to play this right. So, so she's kind of contrite. And uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, like I, I didn't know. And maybe playing the I'm new card, you know, whatever. <laughs> she gets Mistress Tharn to a point where she's able to start getting information from her. And the key thing she says is, I was given a message to deliver to those who have gathered outside the tower. But I went where I was told and they weren't there. So I'm looking for their current location. Well, Mistress Tharn doesn't know that. She's aware there's something that's gone on. Uh, she learns from Swan that there's a new Amerlin. She didn't even know that yet. Mm. But she's like, oh, okay, that makes sense now of why, you know, I there's other stuff happening. I, I see that now. She has been given one thing to tell any blue sister who just comes one. along and checks in. You had a just, comment, Zach? Just one. Just saying, it's just one thing. Not one a lot. thing. She's been given a name. She's supposed to tell them Sally Dara. She doesn't know who Sally is. The name means nothing to her, but that's what she's supposed to tell any Blue Aja sister who checks in. Swan most certainly recognizes that name. Any Blue sister would, but she can't let on she's a Blue sister. So she just, oh, okay. Play stupid. Thank you. Um... I'll see what I can figure out and leaves as quickly as she can. Mm -hmm. 
not before enduring the embarrassment as she walks into the common room again and Mistress Tharn behind her going, yeah, she's got the legs and hips aren't bad, but yeah, she can't sing a lick. I don't think it'll work. <laughs> and, and the <laughs> people in the common room are just yucking it up. And Swan not realizing she could turn that red. She would have liked nothing more than to put Mistress Tharn in her place. Interestingly, Mistress Tharn thought the same thing about Swan and did so put her yeah. in place what are your thoughts of that exchange zach that swan i mean it's a nice right, little humbling experience here um because really the way that people are putting each other in their place the way that swan was omerlin like it worked for what she needed but it wasn't good leadership she got a coup launched on her partially she because of this people. leadership she was the most effective bully you teach people how to be better leaders I do. What do you think about her leadership strategies? Firmly level one leadership. All about the position. Which is rough. And when she, in this situation, is more or less put on the other side of it, she re kind of has a realization of like, that sucks. Not enough of a realization to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. But it's still a uh, moment that us as readers can see, hey, maybe don't bully people, even if you're right. Wrong way to tell them. Yeah, totally. Man, that gives me a spinoff episode. We could talk about the leadership lessons of the Wheel of Time. Man, I could go on and on. But that's another episode. I don't know. Maybe that's for your other podcast. <laughs> I've actually used the Wheel of Time in my other podcast already. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, as Swan actually departs then back through the streets of Lugard, heading back to where she left the others, we get to see her thoughts here. First of all, it's not about a woman named Sally Dara. No. That's a code name for a town Which named... I go think ahead. this is way too obvious. <laughs> I think the fact Do that you? it exists on a map and it is said the way that it sounds is just like in your face. Not just any blue sister, any sister should be educated in the world enough and know, to know what this would mean. So if you're trying to hide it from the ones who you wouldn't want to know if the message got out in the wrong way... I don't think it's successful. I think it's too obvious. This is where you've missed it a little bit, though. It's not on the map anymore. It's an abandoned town that nobody lives in. And the only reason Blue Sisters know it is the town of Saladar is the home place of Bonwin, a former Blue Sister who became the Amerlin to save the Aes Sedai at the time of Arthur Hawkwing. My so she's a, she's a historic hero of the Blue. Oh, no, exactly. But here's my thought process. Every brown in the tower should be able to figure that out. If they were looking for it, perhaps. Every single brown. But who's getting the information? Only blue sisters who check in. Theoretically. Or ones that, who might pose as them. I'm just saying there are they some can't layers lie. <laughs> The agents can. And you could no, have an agent posing sisters. as... And you could have an agent pose as a sister to do it. Man. I mean... Look, we have You're seen, thinking too hard. No, we have seen people pretending to be Aes Sedai, and we call them good guys. <laughs> good so, gals. I'm just saying, it's not a plot hole, because it's not so big of a stretch that it's like, oh, people should have figured this out. No, but I do think it should have been a little less obvious. Like something that led you to the name Sally Dara, but didn't just give it to you. I'm okay with it. Uh, the other thing we get out of her mind is where it's at, actually. It's a location not here in Mirandi. It's in Altara. So that's Which we the, already an, mentioned. an adjoining nation. Yeah. But it's on the far side of Altara, practically inside the borders of Amadicia. What's the deal with Amadicia? We've learned about that before. Amadicia, that's the one that uh, is controlled more or less by the White Cloaks, right? Right. Their stronghold is in Amadicia. It's not a likely place to expect Aes Sedai to gather right on the border of those who would hunt them down, kill them, cut off their hands and eat small birds. Oh, wait, that's the TV show. I mean, um, it, <laughs> sure, it's taking liberties, but not that extremely. Swan's final thought as we end her POV is that she's got to let go of her attitude of being not only an Aes Sedai, but the Amarlin. That power and arrogance, she's got to let it go. But as we see her continue through the town, she's not really letting it go. She glares daggers at the men who are catcalling at her. It's hard. So hard. But that's not the end of the chapter. <gasps> the last couple pages of the chapter, we actually 
jump at the men who you said should be the one in charge. We get her POV and we see what she and the others have been up to. Because she, Liana, and Loghain, done settling in, they're hanging out in the common room of the Nine Horse Hitch. The entertainment of the evening here appears to be Liana. I mean, there's musical singers up there, instrumentalists, vocalists, but nobody's really paying attention to them. And actually the vocalist, a lady on stage, seems a little miffed about this. Well, it's coming out of her tips. Everyone's goggling at Liana. She is going full Domani right now. She came in basically leading Loghain by the nose. She'd already started doing her thing on him in the stable yard. And that almost causes a fight when they get in the common room. Because all the other guys are like, oh, look at her. And he's like, hey, she's mine. And she doesn't say that or anything. So they start arguing about her. And then she just calms them down with her feminine wiles. They don't go into the big details in the book. No. But, but whatever she's doing, she has them all eating out of her hand. I mean, roughly, you can imagine the Domani woman making art out of those feminine wiles, as you would say. Yep. And the Lugard men... Well, Lugard, lecherous, it's alliterative. We'll go with it. <laughs> so you put the two together, and it's very effective. And Min's just sitting off to the side watching the whole thing going, huh, I wonder if she'd teach me any of that. Because I know someone I'd love to use those skills on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, what am I saying? What's I mean, the deal? Why, why is that her reaction to her own thoughts? There might be a certain stubborn sheep herder that she'd love to lead around, but also like, no ah fighting herself a little bit right she pictures how beautiful it would be to have rand wrapped around her pinky and yet the thought of her driving passion being about a man what you know she's an independent woman she doesn't live for this one particular guy and yet Min she is has a this strong impulse. independent woman who don't need no man except and maybe she, she wants she one kind of wants this man yeah as she's mulling over this stuff and going back and forth in her thoughts, suddenly Swan appears at her shoulder, kind of like, yeah, it's a jump scare moment. And she announces, we need to leave now. Forget about having checked in. Nope, we're out of here. She's like, um, what? Remember we were going to spend the night, comfortable bed, when, you know, that was the plan. And she's like, nope, we got to go. I think there might be some white cloaks looking for me. What? What do you think of that explanation? I think she's lying through her teeth. Which we know she can do now. Mm-hmm. She is a little concerned that White Cloak's around. We saw that if she was walking through the city, but she also saw that they don't know who she is. They don't recognize her. No, they gave her a nice little smile and wave. And... <laughs> I've never been able to whistle like that. Can you whistle by sticking I your can't whistle, in your period. Oh. So don't dang. offend me with that. Sorry about a sore spot there, son. That's your mother's fault. She can't whistle. I'm one of that like 10% of the population that just physically can't. Yep. We move on then to our last chapter, chapter 12, called An Old Pipe, and it's a really small chapter. And it turns out it's a good thing that Swan gets them moving right away, because this is the next day, Mm -hmm. and we see Gareth Bryn and his men in Lugard. See, the White Cloaks, they're not looking for you, Swan. They don't care. They don't know who you are. But Gareth Bryn's coming to find you. Yeah, they've been tracking them, and they are right on their tail. And they've learned a few things already by poking around Lugard. One is that the women were just here yesterday and they didn't even stay the night. Apparently, this is the news that comes back to Gareth. Mara, who's Mara? That's Swan with her alias, right? She tried to get a job in a bar and she wasn't hired. And then she collected the rest of the crew from a different bar and they headed right out of town. Apparently, it's not just the women, but that guy, Dalin, the one who was responsible for the barn fire that got them in trouble in the first place. He seems to maybe be leading them or something. Mm. And um, so the suspicion is that he's the one actually behind all of this. And the women are just at his mercy. That's speculation that some of Bryn's guys have. Well, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I mean, even Joni. Johnny, whatever his name, the guy that had the women and that got knocked out by Dalin. He's even on the women's side. He's like, yeah, they're they're probably being corrupted by this guy. I mean, when your charisma's just that good. The news is then that they've headed west out of Lugard. Where might they be headed if they're going west? There's some options. Yep. We've got, as we said earlier, Gildan, Amadisha, Altara. 
Amadisha would be the worst of those options, as Gareth Brynn and his men talk about. He's like, oh, white cloaks. I don't want to deal with it. They've seen white cloaks here already. But not only have they seen white cloaks here, there's also no. rumor white cloaks are looking for these women. Well, and Gareth Brynn, he's got to be thinking back to all the civil unrest that was because of the white cloaks when he was relatively in charge in Camelin. He knows how much of trouble white cloaks can be. He'd rather not have to deal with white cloaks. And so it's weighing on him a little bit of potentially leading his men into having to deal with white cloaks. That's like pressured almost. Maybe we should stop. Now, some of the information that came to them here has been by finding other men here in Lugard who used to serve with them in the Camelin Guard. Seems there's a lot of people apparently who used to serve in the Camelin Guard, just like Gareth Brynn and his men. What's the deal with that, Zach? Well, Lord Gabriel came in. We don't like him. We know some things about him. But he came (laughs) in and said, hey, any and everyone trustworthy, bye. I'm going to bring in these people that do what I say instead. Not only have the old guard been replaced with Gabriel's men, he's been replacing them at greater numbers. Mm -hmm. So like for every one that's been canned, he's bringing in four or five of his own guys. Now, granted, that does mean that to to Bryn's... uh, benefit there is one of the most reliable and trustworthy spy networks in the world right now around because it's these good honorable men just around they can trust what they're hearing from these people but it doesn't say much good for more gays the queen back in andor because she's being surrounded by men who are not loyal to the queen the oath that he hears they're being sworn to is to the throne of Andor. In the past, you swore loyalty to the queen. Now instead, they swore loyalty to the throne. It was queen and country. Now it's just crown. Yeah. Now, Gareth Brynn really doesn't want to talk about Camelin Court stuff. He's like, that's not our business. We moved on. He's actually rather curt. We don't talk about our exes. (laughs) Yeah. Elaborate a little more, Zach. What do you mean? We don't talk about our exes. I mean, he may or may not definitely have been Morghese's lover. And it didn't end well. Mm, Not so much. Now, uh, there's also speculation, and we're going to come back to that in just a moment, but there's also (laughs) speculation on why all these white cloaks are around here in Lugard and that they're not staying in Lugard. There's like a lot of white cloaks passing through Lugard and they're all heading one direction. The same direction that the women went, west. It's not that they're all chasing the women. No, they're going home. And this is speculation where the guys are trying to figure out why are they all heading to Amadisha? That's what they're assuming. Is Pedra Nile up to something? Is he calling back the troops? And again, Bryn does not care. It's like, that is not our business either. We have one job. Find these women. And even as he's saying this sort of thing, it's baffling him. Why am I so consumed with these women? I mean, for all I know, the white cloaks are after them and they're dark friends. And he's like, uh, I don't think they're dark friends. So he, he can't picture <laughs> them being dark friends. This this Mara has wormed her way into his brain and he can't let it go. Bryn and his men leave the city, reconnect with the rest of the men. Because it was just a few that went into Lugard. They, mm-hmm. they made camp a couple miles outside the walls. And he, at this point, again, he's really thinking, you know, we should just go home. This is getting ridiculous. Now there's white cloaks everywhere and and they just keep running on the women ahead of us. And look at us. We're just a bunch of old men, long in the tooth. We're past our prime. What are we doing? Are we going to truly chase them clear across the continent? All the way to the ocean if they go that far? I mean, yeah. (laughs) That's it. He can't let go. Something has him so captivated about Mara that he admits to himself here, at least, even if she goes as far as the Earth Ocean, he's coming. He's got to know. What is he up? He'd hop in a rowboat by himself and chase her beyond. <laughs> as they break camp, the men are all talking, as they are wont to do. And one of them brings up that time that Bryn got in hot water with the Omerlin. And that whole conversation turns sideways at that point. It gets awkward. Why? Well, the man is bringing up something that happened when Gareth Bryn was serving in Camelin again. Mm-hmm. which is a subject they've all been trying to avoid. Why? I mean, it's a particularly sore subject, especially considering Gareth Brynn didn't do anything 
particularly wrong, but no, he's also did his job. lucky to be alive. Yeah, he gets dismissed from service for giving counsel to the queen as he was obligated to do. Unfortunately, the counsel was this Lord Gabriel. He d- looks a little sketch. I don't think you should be thrown in with him. And Morghese was not happy with that. She literally says to him, go home. And the only reason I'm not taking your head off as a traitor for such words is out of honor for your length of service. He's like, what the friggin' heck? So, a little touchy. Yeah. And that didn't ring alarm alarm bells for other people, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it should have. Bryn does something marvelous here, though. This has been something his men have been dancing around for days, weeks, months. I don't know. But he makes a good move. He removes this awkwardness by going on to speak about those Camelin days, specifically tying into what they referenced. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that story with the Amerlin. And you guys have no idea how really that went. And he elaborates. Turns out the Amerlin had interfered with Gareth Bryn's orders about a cartuffle, scuffle, whatever the word I want to use is, <laughs> on the border of Andor and Murindy where Bryn felt he should post more soldiers at the border, excuse me, at the border. And the Armelin was, you will do no such thing. She happened to be there in Andor at that time. And she and Elida, at that time, the consultant for the Aes Sedai with Morghese, mm-hmm. the two of them and Morghese had their heads together talking about things. And Gareth Bryn says, well, I'm going to go do this. And, and the Armelin says, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. And he goes, this is my authority. I'm going to do what needs to be done. And she rips him a new one mm, right new in one front one. of half the court. And in the end, he's made to hop to. And at that point is wondering, is Morghese going to try to take his head for going sideways against the Amarlin seat? She didn't. She didn't. And the way he tells the story, the men are just roaring with laughter. He's, you know, he is their leader. He is always right. And he's showing this time he put his foot in crap and came out barely now granted he was right oh he was totally right but yeah big but because he's asked then after the laughter dies down so did you ever learn why you weren't to put the man at the border and he's like no never got told nothing came of it as it turned out but no they never could never chose to tell me why it was so important for me to not send soldiers to the border. And he even gives this line. This is a quote. I said I business of some sort, I expect. They don't tell the likes of you and me what they are up to. And again, the men start laughing. With that, Bryn gives the order. Let's go. They ride off to the west, continuing on the trail of the women, determined to know why Mara broke that oath she gave. At least that's what Bryn is convincing himself is his reason. For sure. For sure. Which alludes there might be another reason. Nah. What do you think, Zach? Couldn't be another reason. What else might be going on here? He couldn't be intrigued by this mystery and enjoying playing this cat and mouse game. Or even going, she's cute. (laughs) It's possible. Dirty old man. But it's possible. It's not that old. Uh, He's like in his 50s. And she's in her 20s, appearance-wise. That's a real thing in the Wheel of Time. There's an age gap. I'm not talking about the age gap being problem. I'm just saying you're not that old at 50-something. Well, yeah, but if I start chasing after a 20-something, besides the fact that your mother will kill me, it would be frowned on. (laughs) Okay, Mm -hmm. we didn't get 15 tangents, but that's at least our third or fourth. So that was not bad. This is the end of our chapter. This is the end of our episode. Under an hour here, people. Except Except not what? Not really. Well, it is if you're a first-time reader. Thank Ah. you for being here. We're about to spoil something now. So we do want to point you to the show notes where you can find out how to connect with us. If this is the first episode you happen to stumble stumble into, we have lots of these Wheel of Time episodes, as well as many other content things. We've got, you know, to read or not to reads. We've got Magic System series. We've got Dresden File episodes. I even have a bunch of shorts and Zach is one, that are doing really well out there, you know, short episodes that are attracting people. So check all of it out. Subscribe to our channel, like this episode, and come connect with us outside of YouTube, outside of your podcast, Discord, Twitter, 
Mastodon, Facebook, Instagram, all the socials. Find us, and we'd love to know you better. All right, so if you're a first-time reader, that's it. Hasta la vista. We'll see ya. If you're sticking around now... The Spoiler Room. So since we're here in the Spoiler Room, our most of our content is done. Uh, I now am going to show Rolly down in his bed. <laughs> the shag site. <laughs> he's, he's being a good little pupper. More or nice. less sleeping. Yep. Alright, I'm rolling the big one today. Me too. My weapon. Mine's not as scary. It's just... It's not metal. Nine. Not I guess I go first with a 15. Again. I can't remember the last time I got to go first. It'll be a pretty small spoil. Mostly because I don't actually remember if what exactly the specifics here are. We do learn what Gareth Brynn was getting all up in in that one story. Uh, I'm pretty sure Swan later tells him what it was that the plan was. That basically... <sighs> I know Swan does talk about it. I thought she maybe talks it's about it. Thoughts. I think she tells him. Does she tell him? I know because it's going to come out. Go ahead. she tells him that it was more or less uh, there was some young guy on the other side uh that the Aes Sedai were like this guy would make a great leader for that nation unify these things kind of a, a people's pe- people kind of guy really steer the country in the way that we want it to and like a year or two later in some other squabble he got killed before ever coming to power so it was like pointless anyways but it was an entirely yeah it was an Aes Sedai plot scheme typical thing. maneuverings of politics yeah uh, my spoil is to talk about the White Cloaks. This, what we're seeing here in this chapter, these chapters, is all about what we learned earlier with Pedro Nile calling the White Cloaks home. He's bringing them back because he believes the last battle is coming. This is him gathering his forces in his preparation to then rally the nations to follow the White Cloaks' lead as we prepare to fight the Dark One. He thinks he's going to be the chosen one to lead the people. And it's all going to fall apart soon, but it hasn't fallen apart yet. So that's what that's all about. They're not all after the women. I mean, yes, they notice the women act a little suspicious. So white cloaks always look at anything that looks a little suspicious. But they're primarily, this is all about the call. It's coming from all directions. Bringing them home, getting ready for what's next. And what's next is not going to be what Niall thinks. But let's nah. talk about that another time. Fair enough. All right. I think that's we're done. We're done then. I can run the yeah, outro. We got anything else? Okay. He just says, shall we? So there it is. Thanks for watching. As it says, remember, like, subscribe, Discord. We'd love to see you on Discord. Uh, we do thank many of you who have subscribed recently. We're up to 140 subscribers Whoa. on YouTube. Yeah, small potatoes for some channels, but for us, hey, it's the most I'll we've seen. We're loving it. You're watching this years from now when we're at 1.5K. These were the days when we only had 140. Um, thank you for being here. Thanks for enjoying this with us, and we will talk to you next time.